Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Joseph and Mary, Joseph being the earthly father of Jesus. So it started on St. Joseph's Day, where the church was like, hey, we need to honor fatherhood. We need to honor fathers in our midst. And so Father's Day started all the way back in the 5th century, and then it kind of kept going in the Middle Ages. It got lost around 1700 and, and was rebirthed in the 20th century in, in the U.S. Uh, by a woman who had, who had lost her father and said, we, got, we, need to honor, we need to honor fathers. And so there's a rich Christian lineage of this, of this celebration of fathers and mothers. Uh, it's actually, in, in the Ten Commandments, uh, in Exodus 20, there's, there's a command... It says, honor your fathers and mothers. And it says, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. It's the only command in the Ten Commandments that's actually linked to a future blessing. is the honoring of, of your father and mother. And so we want to just do that today and honor, honor dads um, in our midst. We celebrate you. We're thankful for you. Happy Father's Day for all that you do and for all that, you, that we don't even see that you do. Often it's the unseen things that mean the most and make the most difference. And, and I want to encourage all of us who are, who are children to, uh, to tell your dads why you appreciate them, why you love them, to actually go beyond the, the simple phrase, Happy Father's Day, and, and add a couple sentences to that. Why am I thankful for you? And for us, dads, do the same thing. Use it as an opportunity to say the same thing to your kids. Why are you proud of your kids? Why do you love them? Why are you thankful for them? So, just an encouragement in that regard. I had a sappy video that would make us all cry that I'm going to not play. Uh, and you can just take that encouragement and uh, run with it. So, being church. If you were to open the door to our, our family van, you would see something. You would see a lot of things. Right? You, there'd be, it would be, you would be like... Okay, you'd have to try to figure out what happened here. Because right? there's crumbs all over, the, all over the floor. Whatever type of food it is, there's animal crackers and breadcrumbs and you know, wrappers for this and that. You would see you know, maybe some clean diapers for the baby and then some dirty diapers because they haven't been thrown out yet. You would see probably six or eight cups that are just kind of in random places because they haven't been collected yet. You'd see just an explosion of life. And messy, right? And and so we try to we try to do good. We we do good often to hide that. Like that's that's real life. Like that's family. And often we try to we try to like put up this this facade or this image. Like no no no, my family's really not messy. My family's really clean and and really put together. And it's really it's not it's not it's not messy like that. But really, I think we we do ourselves. Uh, we kind of are kidding ourselves when we, when, we, when we forget that family is inherently messy. And, and God's not surprised by that. God, I mean, the whole history of Israel, see, we see these families, even in the patriarchs, we see messy, we see messy family. We see uh, lying and gossiping and, 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 and murder and, and, and strife and, and hatred and, and cheating and and all these things that are happening in the context of God's chosen family. Like, this is not a surprise. 
for, for God and, and for, for the people of God. And, and as a church, we have an opportunity, I think, to, to, to embrace what we can think of as this, this thing that, we, we would, that sounds good, right? Church is family. I, I love that idea. But then we can also step a step further to say, okay, now, now as a part of that, what does that require of me? Because in, in family, things, things need to get done. Right? We, uh, Pastor Cameron and I took a trip to, to England a few, a few weeks ago and, and we got to teach at a ministry school and, and for the majority of our time we stayed with this family. Uh, they were pastors and, and they hosted us so well, but it was very clear that we were the guests. Right? There's, this, there's this distinction. like We were the guests and they were the family and they took care of us really, really well. They hosted us really, really well, but we didn't do anything. I mean, we, we, we served the church and we did all the things, but I got there and my bed was made. And, the, and there's towels and towel cloths and they were all folded on the dresser. And I came down for breakfast the next morning and, and food was prepared. And I didn't prepare it. Right? The bowls were on the table. The silverware was on the table and I didn't put it there because I was a guest to the, to the house. But the family members, the people who were part of the household, they did all the work that needed to be done in order for the guests to be served. And so we just want to try to unpack, what does it mean for the church to be family? What does it mean? And how is God's desire, how is God's heart expressed through the church being a healthy family? So, if we think about, if you think about family, here's, here's a little participation for us. What, what's your desire? So parents, we can, we can even shout it out. There's just general things that you want and hope for for your kids. What are your desires for your kids? Like, What do you hope for for your, for your children? As, if anyone's willing to... to good choices. Good choice. Like they, that, they would, that they would make good choices, right? That's, that's, that's good. What else? That they would have a good relationship with God. That they would love God. That they would know Him personally. Right. That they would serve Him and be known by Him. What? What else? Hard workers. Right. That they would be disciplined. That they'd be hard workers. That they would know what they're responsible to do and that they would do it. Right. Anything else? They would be good and kind to other people. Okay. Great. That they would. That they would be. Kind and and not not selfish, others oriented. That they would see that others matter, and they would be kind to other people. Anything else we can think of? All right, great. That they would be trustworthy and dependable, and that and that your reputation as a parent would be expressed through your children. Even that that that, that they would represent the household and be dependable, and all the things that we want for them, and and oftentimes. You know, we can have unrealistic expectations of our children, but when, when, we, when we talk about it in a healthy, in a healthy form, it's, it's family that sets you up to mature. Like those are all things, like the world system does not want those things for you. The world system doesn't, doesn't care whether you love God and know God and, and, and act dependable. And that, like it's, it's family. What I'm trying to say is it's family that sets you up to mature. And when we think of the church as family, it's God's desire that through your participation in the household of God, that both you personally and that we collectively would grow into Christ. That we would grow up, that we would mature to more and more reflect 
the image of Jesus in the way that we think, in the way that we act, in the way that we feel, in the way we, we respond to conflict, in the way that we respond to, to really any, anything in life. We want to look and feel and act like Jesus. And that's, it's, it's being a part of the family of God that tests you, that challenges you, that, that calls you to repentance, that calls you to reconciliation, that calls you to, to service. That actually, in, in the midst of all, that is what allows you to, to personally mature and for the church collectively to grow, to look more and more like Jesus. And so, we want to look at, at a passage from Ephesians 4 where... Paul is encouraging the church. He's saying, hey, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. You are all sons and daughters of God. Now walk that out. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling that, that you've been called, called into the, in the relationship with Jesus, given gifts, given abilities. Walk in it. And so in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, it's up on the screen. You can also feel free to Turn there in your Bibles if you have them. We'll just read through it here. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes of the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in this passage, and we'll try to try to unpack it here in a bit. It's interesting if you if you track the language of the New Testament, the word disciple, which is used all over the place in the Gospels and in Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, the word disciple is used all the time. After the book of Acts, that word does not appear again. Like it, it completely drops off. And it doesn't mean that, that now that, that term is irrelevant. We still use discipleship and making disciples and, and being disciples. Like that's still a vital thing. But in terms of the self-understanding of the church in the, in the first century, the, the, the dominant expression was family. Like the dominant self-understanding of the church in relation to itself was I'm a part of the house of God. I'm a part of the family of God. I'm a part of the bloodline of Jesus. And that is my DNA. That is what unites us all. And just a quick, a quick note on, on family, right? When I say that word, not, we don't all have a positive association. And I think that's important to recognize. Like Many of us come from not-so-perfect families. In fact, many of us may come from broken families where, where parents were absent or abusive or, or just negligent in certain ways. And, and so when I say family, what I mean is the particular vision that God has in His heart that it's expressed throughout Scripture of what family is to be. A particular 
desire in the heart of God for, for people, for the whole world in fact, to come to know Him as a Father and to be known by Him as sons and daughters. And then as those sons and daughters to go out into the world to make the Father known to estranged children who do not know Him. Like that's the desire of God. And it all can be understood in the, in the language of family, of welcoming in the orphans into adoption, into sonship and daughtership, if you will. Like that's the heart of God. And the more we can understand that that's God's, God's heart is about family and that the church is an expression of family on earth, that heaven is family and it's coming to earth in the form of mothers and fathers raising up sons and daughters to, to make the ultimate king of kings and father of the world known. Like that's, that's a story that we, can, that we can be invited to live in. And it starts with a self-understanding that I am a child of God. Yeah. Like we sing about it, but it's essential to have a self-identity that's rooted in the fact that God calls you His child. That He calls you beloved son and beloved daughter. That He invites you up to sit on His lap yeah. before and beyond anything you could do. Like a child is born. They have no ability to perform anything. And yet they're a child. Like they're, they're, they're nursed. They're welcomed. They're they're taken care of in the context of a healthy family when it indeed is such, that child didn't, didn't, didn't matter. what They didn't do anything. They're just, they're just a child, right? And that's God's heart, that you would know that you are a child of God, that He loves you, that He desires to, to, to see you walk in the fullness of what He's called you to before you've done anything before you could do anything to earn it, before you could do anything to deserve it. His love for you is, is so far not dependent on what you could do that while we were yet in our sin, He sent His Son Jesus to, to die for us so that we could be reconciled to Him. Like that's the heart of God, that you would know Him as a Father and that from that safe place of identity, from that place of of healing and restoration and, and healing of past wounds and misunderstanding of what it means to be a part of a family and, 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 misunder- and, and wounds from, from parents in the past and all these things. God wants to reorient that whole understanding of family to where He is the Father and you are His child. Where He is the Dad and He, and he, and he, and he sees and loves you for who you are and yet desires that you would grow up into Christ. And so there's this, there's this double facet here where God, God loves us, and yet He loves us to the point that He desires that we would grow. And it's in the context of family that maturity happens. So, when it comes to family, when it comes to the van Right in the parking lot, family is messy, but messy is not the opposite of healthy. Messy is not the opposite of healthy when it when it when, when it comes to family. You can do family well in a healthy fashion, and recognize that God works through the mess. He works through like the, the literal mess on the floor, the spilled drink, and the mess of 
of relational angst, of offense and sin and and kids talking back and and somebody talking gossip behind your back. All the things that happen that that cause pain and, and strife in families, God can work through that and actually redeem those situations, especially when it comes to the church, when we all recognize that we're all submitted to Jesus and His ways. God wants to work through those conflicts to mature you. He wants to work through your involvement in the things that need to be done to grow you up, to recognize that it's not all about what I want, but it's about what needs to be done and how can I give myself away as Jesus has given Himself away. There's this idea of, you know, is, is, it, is it the community for me or me for the community? Is it, is, it the, is, it the, is the family meant to serve me and my needs and my desires? Or am I meant, in the context of this family, am I, am I meant to, to serve and use my gifts and my abilities and my responsibilities to serve the family and, and, the, and, the, and the movement of where the family is going? I think it's, the Bible is pretty clear that it's the second half. It's the second one. That it's me for the family. It's me in the context of the community and the family. So let's look at, um, at a few passages in the Bible that speak to this, this idea of, of family, just to give us a little bit more biblical ground to work from. As many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Anyone who believes in the name of Jesus has the right and is, an, is called a child of God. Ephesians 2.19 So then you no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You are part of the household of God. And the local expression of that is, is right here. Like this is the household of God. And you are a member in it. If this is your, if this is your church family. Galatians 3.26 So in Christ you are all children of God through faith. That's, that's very straightforward. A few more. Colossians 1, 2. To the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ at Colossae. The self-understanding is brothers and sisters. Paul's an apostle. He could, he could use other language. You know, he's saying, no, we're brothers and sisters. We have the same Father. 1 Thessalonians 1, 4. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you. And then 1 Timothy. Paul's encouraging Timothy uh, as a pastor, as a young pastor in this church and he says, do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father. And to the younger men as brothers. The older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters in all purity. And this is a leader in the church. And he's saying, hey, the self-understanding is not one from the business world. It's not one from the social strata. It's one of family. Mothers and fathers and sons and daughters and, and brothers and sisters. That's the self-understanding. And that's where God wants to bring us to. It doesn't mean you have to say Brother Luke or you know, Sister Mary Jo. We don't have to use that language, but the self-understanding... That's a nice ring, though. <laughs> I mean, if I did, now that I have, I have a precedent, so you'd just be like, okay. <laughs> feels weird. The church is God's mechanism by which your personal and our collective maturity happens. God wants to grow you up. He wants to grow us up. And and He uses family. He uses church to do that. 
So we want to just, I just want to go through these, these verses in, in order and just make a few comments on how God's desire for us is to, is to be family and how family does indeed grow us up. Talking about the gifts that Christ gives to the church. And then he mentions the, the fivefold ministry. Many of you, maybe you've heard of it used like that. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. These are gifts given. These aren't degrees earned. These aren't anything that you've done to, 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 to earn it. It's a gift that Jesus gives to the church. And an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And the purpose of the, the church leadership, is to not do all the stuff, right? It's to equip the saints, which is the, the holy ones, which is the church, redeemed and washed in the blood of Jesus, to equip y'all to do the work of ministry, which is the most general term for everything that the church does. From, from wiping diapers, to picking up trash, to cleaning that one window that, Luke, that Lou pointed out that's really dirty in the back. Like that's the work of ministry, to serving the poor, to, to care, caring for the neighborhoods that you live in. That's the work of ministry. Right? It's, it's the stuff that you do in God's name in the world. That's the work of ministry. And the church leadership is supposed to equip you to do that more faithfully, to equip you to, to use your gifts more diligently, to serve and love your family more faithfully, to grow up into maturity so that you can, not just personally, but collectively, that we can be the body of Christ situated underneath the head that's Jesus and actually move as He desires us to move. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. He's saying that the saints' work is to build up the body of Christ. We have these uh, ferocious ferocious builder ants in our yard. I'm trying to grow some grass and these ants just come in and build these massive colonies underneath my dirt. They're, they're all working. They're all playing their part right, in building this underground thing that I have to then take care of. I'm not saying you're like an ant, but I'm saying that we're all called to the building up of this, this thing called church. This thing called the body of Christ. So that's pretty straightforward. Until we all, so that's, that's leaders and saints and all, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of Jesus, and, and to a mature man. A mature man here is this idea of a unified, whole, adult person who's, who takes care of the things that need to be taken care of, who does what needs to be done, who, who provides what needs to be... It's, it's, it's this ideal, idea, idea of, an, of the, the, the mature individual. Like the, in, in Greek culture, there was, this, there was a lot of philosophy written on what is, what is maturity, what does it mean to be a, f- a full adult. And often, in, in that time... It, it was understood as, this is what a mature man looks like. And there was all these descriptions. Paul's saying, oh, a mature man is this statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. 
So he's repurposing this, this cultural idea in Ephesus where this was understood widely. He's repurposing this idea to say, no, that's still true, but what that looks like is Jesus. That Jesus is the mature man, and we're to grow up to look like him. So then verse 14, as a result, no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, every, everything that can cater to your personal sensibilities that's not offensive, that, that, that makes you more comfortable. This is what he's talking about. By the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. And he says this. This is where we want to think a little harder. But speaking the truth in love, or truthing in love. So this, this, is, this is kind of fun. The word speaking isn't actually there. It's the word truthing. It's the verb, it's the word idea of truth put in a verbal way. So, so you're truthing, you're living truth. Like it's not just what you say, it's what you do, it's how you behave, it's how you think, it's how you respond to situations, it's how you, it's truthing. What does it look like for you to live truth? For you to live out the truth of the gospel? That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That, that to go higher is to go lower. All these things that, that we see in Jesus, we're called to truth them. To live them. To, to express them by thought, word, and deed in the way that we live. Truthing one another in love. So that it doesn't involve telling the truth about, about a circumstance or about what happened or about this and that. But it's more than that. It's a life lived in response to the truth that's Jesus. To grow up is, is what he's calling us to. So that we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head. Notice he doesn't say, you are to grow up. He says, we because God's doing something that's much bigger than, than your personal maturity. And it involves your participation, which we'll get to in a second. It's your participation in this thing called the family of God, called the family of the church. And it's by just doing this, the simple, monotonous thing that, that makes family happen, that we grow up. And so when you do what God's calling you to do, even if it's not what you directly are gifted in, we have more and more capacity to grow. And more and more capacity, not to grow in numbers, but to grow in maturity and stature and, and more Christ-likeness. And so this does involve a, a question of, hey, what, what, is, what does God want to do in your life that would mature you? What is God challenging you to do, to say, to get involved in, that would actually grow you up? Because in doing those things, God has a bigger vision in mind, which is to see the church raised up and look and shine with the light of Jesus. So we want to ask ourselves, God, what, what is it that you want me to do? What, is, what have you put in me to use for the, for the work of ministry for the church? And that's not just... It's not just the stuff of Sunday, but it does involve that. But it's the expression of the church in the world. What do you want to do in me, God? How do you want to mature me in these ways? So to grow up into Him who is the head. 
even Christ. From whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part. So there's two things here, and they're pretty synonymous. Being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. So every, every joint of the body, Christ the head, every joint of the body is supplying something. It would do me no good if my, if my bicep was really strong, but I had no shoulder to lift it. Like it would just be, it would be pointless. Every joint supplies something, and the body can move. If not every joint is supplying something, then the body is impaired. Right? The body is immobile. But with every joint supplying something, not everything, but something, the, everything happens. According to the proper working of each individual, each individual part. So there is, in this, in this passage, a responsibility for each one of us to grow and to, and to, and to get healed up and to know God more and to, and to grow in our personal relationship with God. All those things are, are, are vital. But the bigger picture is not your personal growth. The bigger picture here for Paul is, is the church's collective growing up to be, the, to be the design of God in the world. Because it's through the church that the principalities and powers experience the wisdom of God. It's through the church being the house of God, the, the people of God in the world, functioning as he, as he designs, that, that, the, that the systems of the world, the principalities and powers, are actually taught what God's wisdom looks like. And it's through ordinary people doing, playing their part, and a whole, a whole system rising up called the church, which is, which is the, the heartbeat and the body of Christ, uh, living and acting in the world. So then every individual part is playing their role. And it causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So, so what's, what's important here for us is that the entire body actively participates in facilitating its own growth. And so, yes, it's God who's growing us, but it's, it's by your involvement in this thing called church that we all grow. That we all, so, so by your lack, so just say it this way, by your lack or by your hesitancy or by, by what may be your, your kind of passivity of involvement, you're actually hindering the whole, the whole body from growing. And convert, uh, on the opposite side, by your involvement, which may be, which may feel insignificant, which may feel like just just one little thing, which may feel like wow, there's so much more. I'm just one person. You're 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 playing a, a part in the whole body growing. Even if such and such isn't happening, you're you're moving in that direction by your by your involvement. So the body causes the growth of itself by simply functioning as each individual part doing what it's called to do. So that's God's design, is that we would grow up into the fullness of Christ by each one of us recognizing that we're a part of a family and that in a family, things need to get done. In a family, there's, there's parents and there's children. Right? We welcome children. We welcome young people physically and young people in the faith who don't know what it means 
to know God, who don't know what it means to serve Him. You could, be, you could be 60 years old and be an infant in the faith. It's completely irrelevant. It, it depends on, 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 who, on where your relationship with God is in terms of your spiritual age. But what does it look like for the church to be a family that raises up children into maturity? And where, where, where things get messy, and yet we all, we all, it's all hands on deck. To actually clean up the mess. Because it's one thing to point out, hey man, you got a bunch of crumbs on the floor of your van. But it's another thing to, to help me clean the mess. Right? It's one thing to recognize that, that this person has some, some serious offense. But it's another thing to be a part of what God wants to do to heal and to restore that person. And, and, and recognize that, that issue. So, so, so simply, what does it look like to see the messiness of family done in a healthy way in the church? Family's messy. People, people don't always get along. Things are awkward. You're my brother, but I don't know you, so I have this, there's this thing where I have to like, try to get to know you like a brother, even though the Bible says we're, we're already brothers. Things, things are, are not so straightforward. It takes work. It takes time. It takes life together. But God's heart is that we would be committed to doing life together so that family could happen, so that church could happen, and so that family could grow both in size but also in maturity to look and and to act and to respond to things more and more like Jesus. Family, for family to happen, there, there needs to be a couple things. But for God's design of family to happen, there, there needs to be an eagerness to respond to situations like he responds. An eagerness to, a, a, a quickness to forgive. A quickness to to repent and confess your wrongs when you've, when you've hurt somebody or when you've, when you've sinned against somebody. A heart full of love and faith for the other person where you believe the best for the other person even when you've seen their worst. So, there's, there's a, in, in family, things, things need to, to get done, right? Chloe and I, we were in pre-marriage counseling a few years ago, and, uh, and at one point towards the end, the the, count, the couple brought up, okay, so say, so, hey, who's gonna do, who's gonna do uh, some of the things that need to be done? Like, who's gonna tend to do, pay the bills, and who's gonna wash the dishes, and who's gonna mow the lawn, and who's gonna do the laundry, and who's gonna, like, some families have that, they just kind of inherit away, but some families need to figure it out, right, and. And so we were like, oh, um, we haven't really thought about that. I guess somebody needs to do it. We have our strengths and our, our weaknesses. But, but what was important for us was that I, there were certain things I had to do that I didn't feel called to do. Like, right? There's certain things I had to do that I didn't feel comp- very entirely competent in doing. Like that, that's not my gift thing. But it still had to be done. 
right? That's, that's how I want us to see church. Like if church is a family and you're, you're in the bloodline of Jesus and you're committed and you're in this house, there's certain things that need to get done. There's certain things that need to happen. And it's, it's less about, and we're, I think as a church, we, we carry a servant heart. But it's less about what am I gifted in? And it's, more, it's not that that's not, it's irrelevant. We want you to recognize what God's put in you and be able to use those things. And it's, but it's more about, hey, what needs to happen? Like, who needs to clean that window? And, and let's find out who can do it. Let's get it done. Like, who, who needs to, to, uh, to, 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 to be, be, to serve in the children's ministry, even though that's not what you feel called to do? If, if it needs to be done and you're a part of the family, then there's something that says, well, well then I'm going to do it because I, it needs to be done. It's easy to put up our hands and say, well, that's not, that's not my job. But, it, but, but again, it's this thing, like, if you're a part of the family, like, you don't, like, that's not, like, you, it is, it is, it is your job. So it, it where it lands is this, is this aspect of responsibility. Now, you're not responsible for everything, but you are responsible for some things. And if you're a part of the family, part of this, I'm talking this church specifically, then it's, then it's important for us to ask the question, what needs to get done and how can I help? How can I help get that done? So we want to just, just uh, ask, ask God uh, for him to, to just speak to us, right? It comes from a place of identity. We need, we need to know, like if you're a parent, you want your child to know that, that you love them. Like they need, to, they need to know that they belong in your house, that they're not a stranger. That even if they mess up, you love them and, and you can work through that. We need to know who we are as God's children in order for anything that we do in the house to make sense. And so I just want to invite God to just reaffirm our identity, but then also to point out and, and to ask the difficult question, like, God, what do you need me to do? Or what needs to be done here, and how might you want to use me to do that? Right? If, if, even if, if there's a need for, for community, where's, where's community? It's like, well, we'll make it, make it happen. Like, invite somebody over for lunch. Right? Invite somebody into your life and, and you be the one who does what needs to, to be done. It's easy. I think our tendency might be to, if, if we just default, is to, let, to point out what needs to happen but not be willing to do it. So family requires something of us and that we, we say, hey, this, is, this, this needs to be done and then what does it demand? What does it require of me? How could I help with that? So... Let's, let's just pray. I want to close with, with prayer and then afterwards we'll have ministry available for us to, to, to work and to be able to pray for each other and such. So, so Holy Spirit, we invite you right now to, uh, to reaffirm our identity as, as a child of God. Not based on what anything we've done, any output whatsoever, but based on, on, on your desire for us to know you as a father that we would be that we would be born again into the family of God by nothing but the blood of Jesus
Father, speak affirmation over us. We invite you, God, to, to, to speak uh, ad- identity. That you say, I am your beloved Father, and you are my beloved Son. And I'm pleased with you. I just invite you, God, to, to speak over us as a Father. And God, we just want to ask one simple question. Like, as, as a part of your family, God, how do you want to mature me? How do you want to grow me? To, to look, to feel, to think more like Jesus. How can I respond, God, to, to whatever you highlight? We, we want to be the church. And God, we recognize that, that, that we very well have, have a part to play in the things that need to be done, in the work of ministry, in the building up of the body. So God, we ask that you would just speak to us. Invite us, God, into a, into a life that's shaped by Jesus. That in, the, in doing the things that, that need to be done, we would recognize that you're forming us, that you're maturing us, that you're shaping us to take on the character of, of, of your Son. Thank you, God, that you call us your children, that, that we're invited into your family. We pray that, that our lives would be lived in that reality. In Jesus' name, amen.